have to look at the program to see when I'm on. Uh, thank you. After hearing Dr. Siemens yesterday, I feel so intimidated preaching in front of him. You want to go get some coffee or something? Uh, well, having written books and published and everything on prayer, I, I'm at a dilemma as to what to do today. I, I kind of feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. Um, I, I know what to do, but I don't know where to start. Uh, Seems as though the disciples were maybe kind of get the impression of standing around waiting, they had somewhere to go, and Jesus was praying. And, uh, and finally, as they were watching him, it dawned on them, this is his secret. This is what he's about. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And first of all, that's a good word because prayer is not a gift that some have and some don't. It's something you can learn, like playing the piano. And that's, of course, been part of my passion for the last 35 years as I've crisscrossed the church, primarily the United Methodist Church. And, you know, when you go to United Methodist Church, it's not always easy to teach on prayer because many of them are so shy they won't lead in silent prayer. <laughs> and yet that's what God called me to do. I was in a motel in Wichita Falls in 1984, kneeling by a bed, and he says, this is what I've called you to for the rest of your life, to go to churches and teach them about prayer. First of all, I thought, well, no, God, don't call me to the Motel 6 for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, uh, and so Jesus taught them this prayer. Now, some say it's the model prayer, just pray it. And then some say it's the model of prayer. So it's kind of an index prayer that we can pray it and apply it. I think it's both. Uh, it's also found in Matthew chapter 6. But Jesus opens up by saying, Father. And what a wonderful way to address our God as Father. Fact is, in, in John's gospel alone, he calls him Father over a hundred times. Approachable, caring, welcoming, providing, protective wants to you to come to him. And so your picture of God really does affect how you approach him. And so he says, call him Father and approach him like that. What a wonderful introduction to prayer. Father who is, you can just stop right there, is. God is the great I am. Uh, he is. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be held in high honor. Your kingdom come. That's the hard part, because when his kingdom come, mine has to leave. <laughs> I like my kingdom. As Mark Rutland says, though, I'd rather be a love slave in the kingdom than the Lord of my own domain. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, interesting Greek word here. I, I don't know much about Greek. Is there a Greek scholar here? I'm sure there are several. Uh, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. One runs a restaurant, the other one a delicatessen. <laughs> but 
this word is not found in any formal Greek manuscripts of, of the New Testament. And they thought Jesus had kind of made up the word until later in antiquity they found it on some do- documents and the word literally meant grocery list. Somehow Jesus had remembered the list that Mary put on the kitchen cabinet <laughs> to send her boy down to the store. And so I think with amusement, he says, I remember that list. Give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that amazing that God's interested in you having toothpaste, coffee, and toilet paper, as well as his kingdom to come and his will to be done? Forgive us, of course, our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. I think that Bob Mumford said one time, that prayer, that part of the prayer, it can summed up like this. Lord, let there be nothing in my heart that you have to test out. Let there be nothing in my heart that you have to test out and deliver us from evil and the evil one. And then he tells this parable of the friend who comes and uh, wanting bread at, at a bad time of night and his kids are in bed with him. And, and it says here, but because of the man's, in, in verse 8, because of the man's boldness, and one NIV translated, because of the man's shameless audacity. I love that phrase, shameless audacity. That we can approach God without shame and very audaciously ask him things that are great and powerful and not give up on those things. I tell people sometimes, if you could see God's biceps, you would ask bigger prayers. I recently joined a gym because I'm getting older, and someday I'm going to put weight on the bar, but there's this guy in the gym that's got a huge arm. And one day I asked him, I said, how big is your arm? I kind of like you to ask those questions. He said, 27 inches. I went home, measured my leg, it was 17 Oh, but if you could see God's biceps, you would pray greater prayers that would complement his greatness. He said, ask, and the, the, the tense here in Greek is ask, keep asking, seek, keep seeking, knock, keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. And then this wonderful thing, you're, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? If you asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion. I love this. And then if you know who are, you are being evil, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I love that. Matthew says he'll give you good things. Luke says he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Luke was very in tune to the Holy Spirit. And that when you pray, you're receiving someone, not something. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you've maximized your reception of prayer uh, to receive that person of the Holy Spirit. I always did like what Maxie said. Maxie says prayer is more receiving uh, an open heart rather than an open hand. And in the presence-based church concept, I teach people to uh, seek his face, not just his hand. I meet people who are disappointed because Pittsburgh didn't win the Super Bowl or 
their golf game is not doing well and they complain because God didn't get them that job or this. It's, it's a dilemma. If you seek only his hand, you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to turn out exactly how you want sometimes. But if you seek his countenance, the essence of who he is in prayer, you'll never be disappointed because you didn't get the job or the money. You'll be arrested by his beauty. You'll be caught up in who he is and not just what he gives. And so I teach people across the country as I teach prayer, seek his face, not just his hand, so that you'll never be disappointed in the answer to prayer because he reveals himself to you. You'll be stunned. You'll be in awe. You'll be caught up in him and not anything less than that. What a great passage. What a great prayer. And so as, as this began to resonate with me, I, I read the story of Jeremiah Lampure. He was a tailor by trade, lived in 1857 in New York City. A large church there moved out to the suburbs, and they asked him to be the caretaker of the church. So he got the key and would take care of this huge, empty church building. Well, one day, sitting on a park bench there in New York, he he noticed all the people walking by were depressed. He thought, we should set ourselves to prayer. So he started a noontime prayer meeting in this huge vacant church. The first day, September 23rd, 1857, six people came and they were 30 minutes late. <laughs> but the next day, 20 came and they were on time. The next day, more came, and then more came, and suddenly, at noon, this church was full. And then it spread to another church, and to another church, and to another church, and it was called the Fulton Street Revival. Matter of fact, you can go to that street there, which is about two blocks from Ground Zero, and there's a bronze park bench with Jeremiah Lampure's figure sitting on it. You can actually sit down next to him, put your arm around him. Anyway, that was called the Fulton Street Revival. It went all across the East Coast, and they say over a million people came to Christ because of that revival. Well, I, I think sometimes we can dig the wells of revival. And I thought to myself, if that was a well of revival, why not Houston, Texas? And so at noon, we started praying the Lord's Prayer. I I teamed up with a Christian radio station called KSBJ. Uh, I have lots of listeners at, at that station. And so at noon, we invite people to pray the Lord's Prayer at noon. About eight years ago, we started that. You know what we call it? Pray down at high noon. That's a good Texas term. Instead of showdown, we have pray down. Because we want to pray down our Father on this city. Well, it that station reaches from Beaumont to Victoria up to College Station and Huntsville and covers the whole Gulf Coast. And, and suddenly people began to join that. And the mayor would pray that prayer. The sheriff would pray that prayer. We got John Olstein to do it. We'd have football players and carpenters and lawyers and kids and all kinds of people would pray at noon the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing because Baptists do it, Methodists do it, Catholics do it, Pentecostals do it. I think some Hindus even do it. That across the family of God, people are praying that prayer. I thought, you know, if enough people pray that 
they might look up and say, if he's our heavenly father, then you're my sister. You're my brother. Even though you're not of my denomination, we have the same father. Well, there's three ways we do this. We, first of all, just pray it. It takes 21 seconds to pray this prayer. Uh, Sometimes you pray it faster, sometimes slower, but 21 seconds is basically praying the model prayer. Uh, Sometimes we sing it, but just uh, pure pray the Lord's Prayer. And then we teach people to apply it. Uh, If you have time, say, Father, be a father to the fatherless. Uh, Touch those who have no security and have no provision. Uh, let your, your name be held in high honor. We, we like to think of Jesus' name being high, in high honor. When, when I teach people to pray in my conferences, I teach them this. Pray like this, in Jesus' name. Sometimes when you don't know how to pray, just pause and say, in Jesus' name. There is something about that name. And when you pray in Jesus' name, his name is hallowed. His name is honored. It says in the book of Acts that his name was held in, in high honor because of the power that was displayed in the name of Jesus. So we pray in his name. We pray, uh, thy kingdom come. Let mine. The wonderful thing, though, about praying, it says in Luke 3.21 that uh, heaven was opened and the father said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. If you'll notice in that text, it never says it closed. We live under an open heaven. Just look up. We live under an open heaven. And we can invite the resources, the glory, the holiness, the the beauty, the honor of heaven to come down and touch Wilmore, Kentucky, Asbury Seminary. So we pray the application of that prayer. It's what we call an index prayer. You can take thy kingdom come, and if you're in Kroger, let your kingdom come to this food store chain. (laughs) There was a a group of funeral homes there in spring where I live called Klein Funeral Homes. And I would drive by them and say, let your kingdom come to the funeral home business. Well, one day he said, go in there and offer the kingdom. (laughs) So I went in and I said, if you ever have past, uh, people who come here and have a, a death in their family, they don't have a church or a pastor, would you call me? Suddenly, I started getting calls once or twice a week to do funerals of unchurched people. Did the funeral of a 23-year-old boy who drowned because of his own vomit, because of drunkenness. The church is, the funeral home's not very big, so we had it at our church, and we had over 1,200 teenagers there for that funeral. And I talked about Jesus. I began to realize that as I pray his kingdom would come to the funeral home, his kingdom was coming because I was able to proclaim the gospel to people who had no church. Yesterday I was sitting back there listening to Dr. Siemens, and my phone rang. It was the funeral home. We have a baby. Can you bury a baby tomorrow at noon there in spring? I know there'll be 200 people there, maybe not that many, maybe 100 people that I get to share the gospel with those people. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do funerals, but 
Anywhere where we can proclaim Jesus to people who don't know him, that's where we need to be. Someone said one time, I'd rather uh, preach from the porch of hell than just preach for within the sound of a chapel bell. That uh, let your kingdom come where, where you're not known, where your reign is not there, where Jesus is not Lord. Let your kingdom come, and if I need to proclaim it there, then let me proclaim it there. Thy will be done. How oh, people struggle with what is the will of God. Well, I simplified it. One day I was reading uh, Psalms 91. What great Psalms. I love Dr. Tennant because his, he loves the Psalms. And he taught so well last night from Psalms 90. But one Psalm over is 91, which is kind of a Psalm of protection. Uh, if you live in Houston, drive freeways, you need to memorize Psalms 91. <laughs> I know you don't need much protection here in Wilmore, but in Houston, you need a lot of protection. And I ride motorcycles, so I need double protection. In fact, this other day, I was between a semi and a logging truck, and I got the gift of tongues. But um, <laughs> he says in that psalm that for the, if, if you'll make the Most High your refuge, he says, I will protect you. I will rescue you. Because you know my name, you will pray, and I will hear you. And I will be with you in trouble. And I will deliver you. And I will satisfy you with long life. And I will show you my salvation. Seven wills right there in the bottom part of Psalms 91. So I said, let your will be done. <laughs> because you said, I will. Then I let your will be done. It's just stated in that one psalm, Psalm 71. Adding also with the things that Jesus said, that I will never forsake you nor leave you. Don't question his will too much, because he's already said, I will. <laughs> and let that will be done in me. And I love this verse, give us this day our daily bread. Well, to me, that's not only provision, but it's also my ideas that I can wait, wait before God and say, Lord, I, I put my mind before you and I ask you to give my daily ideas, my daily creativity, my inspiration for this and that, for ministry, help me. One day I was uh, praying and he gave me this idea of a public prayer box. Would you put that box up there? So I, we, we started making these boxes. Uh, this one's on a, on a mailbox. See the trailer park in the back? There's 300 trailers there. And Bill Smith put this prayer box on the mailboxes so that when they get their mail, they also mail their request to God. We call that box 316. Isn't that cool? I could never have thought of that. But that was part of my daily bread. He showed me a box that we can put in beer joints and liquor stores and pawn shops and uh, all kinds of places to get the prayer request of people who don't have a church and take that prayer request, pray for them, and write them a love letter. Jesus loves you, and so do we. Bill said the first month that he put that box on the trailer park mailboxes, he brought 18 people to Christ. Y'all act like white people. Say something. I don't mean to offend you, but I was on staff at a black church. And when you preach in a black church, they help you. They respond. 
One day I was preaching, and my sermon was terrible, and they kept saying, help him, Lord, help him, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I like white people. I'm married to one. I don't have anything against white people. <laughs> but um, I couldn't have thought of that. And then one day I was praying, and he said, here's another idea. It's a daily bread idea. Could you show that door hanger? Uh, I know the ironic prayer in, in Numbers chapter 6 is a powerful prayer. And God said, put this prayer on the people. And so I took that prayer and put it on a door hanger. And, uh, and start off by saying, just may God bless this home. So when people come home, they find that Christians have blessed their home and hung on them the ironic prayer, which is a powerful prayer. The Lord bless you, make his face shine upon you. You know that prayer. And just to put that prayer on people who don't feel deserving, who feel angry, who feel left out, who don't think the church loves them, just to bless their home. There's a really kind of bad neighborhood near where I live, and I get on my bicycle, and I just hang those on doors. I stand on the porch, and I pray for this home. It's really good because sometimes Christians, we get kind of caught up in the building, and we get kind of self-conscious, and we play it safe, and we don't leave our comfort zone. But sometimes to get out helps us in so many ways. So these are just some factors. Uh, this morning I got a call. A church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, Grace Church, is putting out a 1,000 of those in, this, in the neighborhoods. And I thought, how wonderful. Here I am sitting here in this wonderful chapel and a church is walking through the snow, hanging these on doors in Indiana, Pennsylvania. So if you see me walking down the street grinning, I'm grinning because of stuff like that. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know what it would be for you, but I know that when you pray, he will give you ideas and creativity for ministry. And then to pray... Lord, that people would pray for, for you as a pastor. Practice always time standing in front of the mirror saying, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Jessica, she's probably the most talented, most creative. I, I cannot tell you how impressed I am with this lady. All the more so when you come to chapel a little early, would you just pray for her? Because we must not trust ourselves or our abilities, but to allow on the Holy Spirit to lead us. To pray for your president, just to lift him up in prayer often, because he's got the one of the most impossible jobs in the world. Somebody said one time, the president of a seminary, he, he lives in a mansion, walks to work, and he begs for money. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's like that, but, but more than anything, you need to pray for him. Um, forgive us. This morning, I, I guess you know where I'm going. I'd like to ask you if you would pray the Lord's Prayer at noon here at Asbury. Till, Christ, till Easter, till Easter, then you can quit. So I'm giving you this morning a 14-day devotional to get you started. There are 14 translations of the Lord's Prayer. I love the message translation, where, especially in that part that says, Instead of saying, lead us not to temptation, he says, keep us from ourselves. <laughs> I thought, how appropriate, how appropriate. But uh, 
to ask you if you would pray the Lord's Prayer here at noon on Asbury campus. To take prayer maybe to a new level of just inviting him, applying this prayer to your professors and to your classes and to the whatever needs and strategic, strategic goals that this seminary has. I wonder how many of you would do that. Well, the answers have been phenomenal uh, across the Houston area. Now it's, I've used it now in different conferences, the Great Rivers Conference, the New England Conference, the Oklahoma Conference, that I'm inviting United Methodists all over the country to pray this prayer in the light of our general conference. Now, occasionally people call into our station and give us a testimony of praying that prayer. And this young girl, I'm going to play her voice. She called in to talk to two of our DJs. and This was what she said. She, she started praying the Lord's Prayer at noon, not realizing that at that very moment her father was being robbed at gunpoint. And this is the story from Angie. So I'd like for you to hear at least one of the testimonies from praying his prayer together. Did you play that? Um, I just wanted to tell you something. Okay, I'm going to try to say this without crying. It was the first time I had heard that on the radio, and I was on my way home from work, and, and I was like, oh, you know, that's really neat. And I remembered immediately what my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, that in the Bible it says where two or more are united in prayer, that God is in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. So I put my cell phone alarm on so that I would remember to pray. So I put it for one minute before 12, and I was praying, and I was praying for my family, for my dad, and I didn't know that as I was praying, three men with guns robbed my dad at gunpoint and took everything from him and took his truck and guy that had to gun him back of his head asked the other guys, what do I do with him? And the guys told him, waste him. And my dad said that at that moment, he heard this loud voice that said, run, if you stay there, they will shoot you. And this was going on at 12 while I was praying for my family and asking God to take care of them. Because of me praying during the pray down that that was why my dad was not killed Mm. and i just wanted to let you guys know that and my dad called me yesterday to tell me that they caught the three guys and they were driving my dad's truck so they haven't been arrested wow man i'm glad you were praying angie Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're a blessing to us. Well, it's Thank good to you. know Dad's in God's hands all the time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to pray. Oh, Amen. yeah, girl. Thank you. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank Thanks. you. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. He's come to kill and destroy our United Methodist Church, or even possibly your church. But prayer will turn the day. Prayer will defeat the enemy. As the enemy tried to steal from her daddy, our God will preserve us 
and save us and will foil the plans of the enemy if we will pray. Will you join us in praying that his attempts will not withstand? Amen. Well, thank you for your willingness to pray at noon. Uh, you can just set your cell phone to go off to remind you. Uh, after a while, you'll just do it. Uh, one last thing. After the service is complete today, uh, I just felt led that if some of you are struggling with things in your life that you just want an anointing today, uh, maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction in your life. Uh, some months ago, I, I realized I had an addiction in my life, and it was really harming me. It was Bluebell homemade ice cream. And so I joined an addiction 12-step program. It's helped me. Now I don't stand at the icebox at night at 10 o'clock shaking. So I wrote some prayers entitled Personal Prayers of Freedom. And there are 40 prayers based on 40 different topics that an addict faces in life. I was reluctant to bring these in Wilmore because I thought there was nothing in Wilmore to be addicted to. <laughs> so I did bring them. <laughs> and if you're just struggling with something, just come, and I want to just put the sign of the cross on your head with oil, because I know the anointing breaks the yoke. And you can take these prayers to pray, prayers for freedom, because that's what recovery is all about, holiness and being like Jesus. So that's at the end of the service, and so I welcome you to come if you like. Thank you so much for having me to your chapel service.